Yo, what's up? It's Kev with Atmosphere FC, and in today's video, I'll be interviewing Pasadena native Jesus Gonzalez. In this interview, we'll be talking about his journey through the American system, his time spent in Mexico with Tigres, his time playing under Eric Guernalda, and his time playing with the Las Vegas Lights. My guy, good to see you, dog. Uh, when I first started about, you know, working on this platform, I wanted to build something that was gonna not just elevate the game of soccer, but also like rise the game of soccer in my hometown. You're a Pasadena native, you grew up in Pasadena, and I feel like there's a lot of talent in the communities just like Pasadena, you know, so it's, it's very important for me to just document and talk to players such as yourself who grew up in the, in the similar system that I did, you know, to inspire the next generation. You know, I've had the opportunities to play soccer in, you know, teach soccer, not just play soccer in great cities, but also to coach soccer in great cities, and I've always kind of like wonder like why am I not fully fulfilled when it comes to you know the, the game of soccer because I've fallen in and out of love and what I realized you know since working on this podcast is that I may not be fully fulfilled yet because I'm not really coaching I'm not really giving back to my community as much as I should be doing you know so I, I as much as I want you know coach in my city as much as I want to start you know my own club in my city my way of doing it and you know is through this podcast and building a platform to bring people together and just you know share ideas and bounce ideas about the sport you know you're someone that's seen it all you know you're someone that's been successful at every level so you know I'm here to give you your flowers bro and give you your props on a wonderful successful soccer career and you know I also want to just talk to you so we can give advice to anyone that's you know has that dream of becoming a soccer player, you know, anyone from the inner city, anyone from, you know, the urban area who just has a dream and wants to you know, use soccer to get out the hood or, you know, get a free education or play pro just like you did, you know, so welcome, bro. Thank you for Thank being you. here. Hey, like I said, you're from Pasadena. You played Villa Park. Villa Park, you know, that's how I started. Man, what are your memories from Villa Park? Uh, just a little kid figuring out what to do on my time off. I mean, after school, you know, we needed an activity to keep me away from home because my mom was always working. Yeah. So Villa Park was two blocks from my house. I joined, I even I joined one team and then fell in love with soccer. That was my first time actually playing on a team or learning what soccer is. So. Yeah, man. I feel like so many leagues, just like Villa Park, who, you know, come from the recreational center are important. Just, you know, for, especially from to immigrant households, to immigrant, you know, uh, for kids like us who come from like an immigrant background that, you know, our parents were always working. Our parents couldn't take the time off to take us to practice and stuff like that. So, you know, the importance of Villa Park is that, you know, it's provided to us locally and, you know, our parents can, you know, handle their business and work their second job if they have to and, you know, kind of just keep us off the street by playing soccer. And I feel like, you know, not just, it's a great way for us to learn the game, but it's also, if you look at all the talent throughout our generation that come from Pasadena, is elite. Like we've had at least 20, 30 players who are actually playing in the pros, who have gone to play out in Mexico, you know, who've actually gone, you know, play D1 and such as myself, you know, you've, you've gone on to play pro and it all starts from a basic league like that. So you give access, to you know the community that there's going to be kids that actually take advantage of these opportunities and slowly climb up the ladder if you're good at villa park and you're from pasadena you're going to go on to develop to sharif you know sharif zine is a prophet soccer guru 
someone that you know has who's a pioneer of the youth development here in SoCal but he has put so many people into the pros and so many he has developed so many people that you know that have you know so many people have reached the leagues or reached a D1 program because of the foundation that Sharif Zin has given us can you talk to us a little bit about your memory about your experience with Sharif and, and the great team you guys had man you guys won everything state champs lead champs surf cup so what do you remember my about those days? My first memory was showing up to practice with actually my Villa Park uniform, thinking yeah. like, this is my only uniform, I have to go to club. I ended up just being a tall kid, to Shreve, tall, skinny kid that could kick the ball far. Yeah. No skills, nothing. And Shreve was like, I want you to play for my team. And I was like, okay, I'll, I would love to, you know, something different. And then one thing that, that caught my attention was like, you gotta pay for uniforms, you gotta pay monthly for training, you gotta pay monthly for a tournament. And that's why I cut Sharif off my Sharif. I don't know I don't know you, you don't know me, but I'm telling you now, I can't afford it. Yeah. And Sharif was one of those people was like he had an understanding of what it is to struggle, what it is that, you know, some kids can play at a level but they can't afford it. So he was like, I'll take care of you, I'm gonna get your sponsor, which was our manager at the time. And that's how I ended up getting to you know Sharif, started training with Sharif. And then from there, it just, it took off. I mean, I knew, till his dad tell Sharif, thank you. Thank yeah. you for believing in me. Thank you for accepting me and knowing that I have no money to pay you, pay my fees, my dues, but I'll make sure I take care of you with my dedication, my style of play, and just kind of just embrace the whole culture that he was building with, especially our team that it was, I feel like it was one of the, best teams that he had obviously with you guys and the yeah. breakaway and from there it was just pretty much it from Sharif how it started yeah man it, it goes to show like you know obviously if you start AYSO or at a you know record rec, rec league we're gonna use like as, as a uh, the the American players gonna bump into a wall right away yeah. at a young age of 10 years old that okay you know you outgrow directly so if i if my kid or if me as a player at 10 years old want to play at a higher level i have to go to find one of these youth clubs where i have to pay yeah. and i feel like that's you know that's the root of all our problems is that there's no better system in the public schools there's no better rec league under the mls or u.s soccer umbrella that can give the american player a better development sharif is someone that Till this day is not a big club. He's kept he's kept it small. He's kept it under his umbrella, and you know he's kind of provided always provided opportunities for you know the lower income kids, the immigrant kids, because he understands that not everyone's going to be able to pay all these fees. You know, so, you know the pay to play model, which is a terrible model. You know, I feel like it's it's been the model for the last twenty five years, and we've heard it over and over. And like you know, I've heard like. Oh, but no, but this club's a scholarships and this club does this, yeah. but I feel like it's still not enough. It's still not giving access to the broader audience, the public audience, you know, so till we fix that common problem, that easy problem of just like, you know, making the sport accessible for everybody, not, I don't really think that it's necessary for anyone to pay for the coaching. You know, the system is designed you know, for coaches and it's all, you know, it goes to show you that we don't really care about development. We really care about just making money. So, 
Yeah, man, like, you know, Sharif is someone that's doing it right, that continues to do it right, you know, and, and you know, you don't not need to be the biggest club. You don't need to have the biggest field or you're the most fancy equipment like Sharif. We barely had lights. The field was terrible, you know, but he was he was someone that knew what he was doing. He's someone that had a philosophy of being technical and putting passes together. And like at a very young age, you know, the bar was for him was so high. For, like, you know, you had to work and it wasn't just about like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm here because my parents could pay for it. It's like, no, you had to win your spot in the street, you know. Man, like like I said, I some, he's someone that I thank to this day, too. He was He's someone, you know, I'm here in L.A. for a month. He's the first person I text say, hey, I want to see I want to see you and I want to talk to you maybe about getting an episode. And he, typical Shreve, he's like, yo, man, like, here's my schedule. You know, I'm in Vegas for the Mexico-USA final. Then I'm to Ireland. Then I'm to Rome. I'll be back the 20th. And I'm like, dang, like, he's still doing it. He's yeah. still living the dream, you know. Soccer is a lifestyle you know if you dedicate and you love this sport you can make a living doing this love and passion that Shreve has you know and like it's admirable that he he not just loves soccer the sport but he's dedicated literally the last 45 years of his life to putting you know developing the best product in Southern California and putting it in the leagues you know and people as like yourself people like Jazzy Zardes, Richie Mendrivar, Pablo Cruz you know they've all played at a higher level and have gone through street. So, you know, that I feel like that's one thing coming from Pasadena that we got to take pride of is that, you know, not only do we have a sick rec league when it comes to Villa Park, but we also have Sharif, you yeah. know, Sharif that's put people on and he has developed, you know, I feel like I, I even if, you know, the, the, the system doesn't change, I know that if I have a child, I can put him no, through yeah. Sharif. I know? feel like one thing about Sharif is he don't worry about the money. Yeah. I think his main concern is how many players I can get into another league to go play pro, go to mm -hmm. Europe, give them scholarships. I think he was just more concerned like, I want to create memories for these kids yeah. because the money comes and goes. You see him traveling anywhere. He, yeah. Does he really need that money? No. Yeah. But he knew a lot of these kids that had no outlet, no support system, can make it out of his club team which he has proven a year year now like I'd always tell him straight like why is it that you want to do this and he's like I want to see you do it I want to see you do it yeah and it's like you see him with his pictures that's his pride and joy yeah here's my memory of when he was a little kid Jossie is a perfect example he just won the gold cup he's like here's the picture when I used to train him that's his pride and joy yeah. he don't care about him making the money or this and that. He's like, this is what I did. This is yeah. what we did. Coming from, like you said, no lights, no yeah. fields. It was just whatever we could. Yeah. I think that's Shree's biggest blessing is like, he had a big heart for people, young kids to succeed without even us knowing that we were going to make it. It's crazy, bro, because I feel like he, the game is, he's taking care of the game, but the game yeah. has taken care of Sharif, oh, yeah. you know, and the game obviously has taken care of everyone else that, you know, has been involved in his organization. So, man, we definitely got to give that man his flowers. And, you know, like I said, my goal is to document and record an episode with him because this story has to be told. You know, I have to pick his brains because, like, he, he's someone that has the answer. And he, there's no need for us to make so much money or yeah. and, like to, to make this to make money prior the number one priority is like look how beautiful Sharif's resume is in the last 25 years how many people he's put into the pros I could be so many more coaches so many more 
organizations, so many more like just rec centers, you know, than not just one. Like yeah. The only one we have to say right now from Pasadena is Sheree. Yeah. So it shows that, you know, it, till this day, you know, as so much as Sharif is putting people into the pros, it's not, you know, we need more Sharifs and it should be, it's time for us to get on, on a one, on a one, on the same common page to give access to everybody. You know, everyone deserves to be, to have the access to soccer, you know, like we have access to basketball and football and, you know, in the public schools, you know, you, you see the big events they do for the games and in, in, in school culture, but I feel like soccer is not enough yet. We, we don't have nothing that implements, you know, the, that, you know, I guess in the public schools that provides any opportunity for any of these kids. It's not a big club, but you guys owe one nationals. I remember uh, Johnny Bunko, Henry Bunko, yeah. they went to Boston College and they were the summer before they came in, you guys had one nationals, you know, and from, from your, you know, you stayed with one team and that, that actually, you got recruited to the uh, U18s, U20s and U17s off base off this Sharif team, right? Well, how was your experience with the national teams and, you know, how much did that help you as far as like to reach the pro pro level? Well, I think it all starts up with Sharif. I mean, I was there youth 11. Like I said, I was just a tall skinny kid, kick the ball on. Yeah. That was my job. Every cold kick, you keep taking it. Yeah. So obviously he started doing sushi clinic. Yeah. He started doing shooting until Wednesday. Yeah. So that's why I started developing a little skill, a little this and that, that kind of helped me get to where I was getting called up for the national team. And then, you know, did three years with just consistent work. Started playing tournaments, started getting looked at by ODP. That's why I all started with me. I did ODP. Yeah. I got called up to do a tournament. And then next thing you know, national team. Yeah. Unexpected, I think, coming from Pasadena, coming from Sharif, it was just not a, a no more day for us at, yeah. at a soccer field. So, I mean, once I started getting called up, Sharif, I, what can I do? I'm still learning the game. I'm 15. I don't yeah. know much about it. You 17 getting called up two years ahead is it's big, time. It's big time. But for me, I wasn't, I felt like I wasn't ready for it because yeah. I feel like I was still hitting my prime as I get older and just, you know, I did my first camp with the national team, did more than I thought I would. Yeah. Got started getting called up for tournaments, Dallas Cup, uh, Milk Cup in Ireland. You know, I started doing all this crazy stuff. But then once that was over, I came back to Sharif. Yeah. I could have gone to do Academy and everybody was telling me come do Academy. A lot of players left for academy, but I decided to stay with Sharif. I knew that this was my bread and butter, and I knew I was going to develop more than what I am than instead of focusing on playing at a higher level, which I felt like I wasn't ready yet. The thing about the developmental academy comes around, yeah. and that was, it was big time, you know? Yeah. Nike sponsors, like all the big clubs were there, so for you to decide not to, because I played that, and it was an amazing experience, but for you to, you know, stay with the smaller club with Sharif shows your loyalty, bro. Yeah. And it shows how good, like, that, man, how sick of a coach that is for you to just be, like, even after, you know, being with the national team and even after playing for other high-level coaches, it was still Sharif, the one who, you know, who, yeah. the, you know, you came back home and, and had your loyalty. So I respect that, man. And, like, I'm sure, I'm sure he's proud of you, bro, and everything you accomplished. And, you know, we're proud of him, bro. So, 
I'm glad you got to, you know, get those experiences with the national team. It, I feel like it's, for us, was directly club team, you know, club, ODP, yeah. and then, you know, national, national team, regional team. I feel like that ODP was clutch, bro. Yeah, yeah. I feel like, I feel like if you think about it, the way ODP's mapped out is every state, you know, and, and even, you know, states are fucking huge. You know, we have SoCal and North Cal, we have to divide them into two because they're so big. But I feel like that's, I feel like that's the last time, you know, we kept talent under one magnifying glass where you, you see, um, you see, you know, the best kids from California compete against the other states. And you see that, you know, in regions like California, Texas, Florida, New Jersey, those are the more dominant states because there's more access for soccer, you know? So I would say, you know, what were, what, what were the best memories of the national team? What level, what age, you know, that you, that, was crucial for your development? I think when I was called up to the U20s, um, we did uh, Dallas Cup. And I think what kind of just opened my eyes was that we were opening up the tournament against Mexico for uh, Dallas Cup. And you know how back then there was a whole ceremony with all the yeah, teams. Yeah, and then they did the super group. Yeah, kind of, yeah, so we were in the super group and we actually opened up the whole tournament. So I think for me it was a big experience because a bunch of young kids. I was one of those kids years yeah. ago. Now I'm here on the big stage, yeah. playing for my country, playing against, obviously I'm Mexican, so yeah. I was against Mexico. And it was just one of the things like, like man, I can actually do this, yeah. you know? But I think the most humbling experience was, again, Sharif was right there. <laughs> right there, making sure that I played well. He was actually coaching me while we were playing, because at that time I was a left back, so he yeah. was right there in the silence telling me what to do. So I think that was just an eye-opener for me. It's like, yeah, you, know, like you can do it, like you're kid, up to that level. You a know? kid that had nothing to to a stage like this, playing against another big country, it's, it's, it's a rivalry to begin yeah. with. Yeah. And I'm here living it, playing it, and experiencing it. It was just one of those things where, like, I'll never forget the national team. This is who I felt like I could be and I could do as the years go by. So that was one of my main experience with them. Other Man. than receiving Nike stuff, I mean. Yeah, bro, the whole experience, the whole, that they give you the whole kit, they fly you out, you actually feel like a pro, yeah. you know? I feel like if, Man, if it's if it if it wasn't just like that for the whole just the national team, imagine if it was like that for your local club team, yeah. bro. How how elite that would be, and how invested some of these kids would actually be in. It's just like we have everything that 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 you know. I feel like me and you were fortunate enough to to get these opportunities as youngsters, but we actually got it, you know, with with the U.S. Soccer Federation, like the best experience that you can get it. You know, and so many of my friends didn't get this experience that I'm like man, they missed out and they, you know, even if, I feel like you come back from those trips and you're a completely different player just because yeah. of what you've seen, you know, and, and, and it, it, it drive it gives you a better drive, it gives you inspiration to keep working, you know, and it, 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 like, especially us from coming from, you know, from immigrant parents, from small households, you know, for us to be on big stages representing the United States is big time, and you know, I feel like, you know, that there's, it's gonna continue I want to keep fighting for this because as much as like me and you were getting opportunities to get him at the youth level, I'm still not seeing enough players at the full team, you know, and I feel like a lot of we, we've established that, 
you know, we're athletic and we're strong. And, you know, we have, uh, you know, have African-American players. We have a lot of like American players, but we still don't have the American Hispanics, mm. you know, the sauce or something that is going to bring us to the next level. And I feel like that's very important for us to unlock that next level of our soccer here in America. And where I feel like, you know, in the next 10 years, I think we're going to be a powerhouse. I really, really do think that we're going to be, you know, a dominant nation of soccer in the world. And I think we just have to, one, provide a better system, a better, a better blueprint, a better, you know, just, just, just a better standard for, for the American player. You know, it can't be pay to play and can't just make everything yeah. about money. At the youth level with the national team, the, our pool is huge because we're, so, you know, we're such a large country, but there's a lot of talent to be developed. And a lot of our, our leagues are, are, you know, our national teams are not where they should be because, you know, as much as developed, there's not much talent there's developed, there's enough, there's not enough access to it and there's not enough people developing to develop this mm -hmm. talent. So obviously you have a good, a good youth career, you know, playing under Sharif. And then, you know, getting a call-ups to the 18s, the U-17, the U-20 national team. Um, did you ever think about going to college or would you just focus on, like, I'm going to just keep balling out and hopefully I can, you know, play pro? When I first started with the U-20s, my mind was, I want to play pro. Yeah. Obviously, my mom... Because you were 17 at that time. I so was about to turn 18. 18. So I was still young. Yeah. I just graduated high school, to be honest. Yeah. And I got called up. And then I was like, I want to do this. But my mindset was, I need to play pro now. Yeah. My time is now. My mom always says, go to school. Yeah. You have paperwork. You can get a full ride for your education. Do it. But my, the thing that my mom never realized was the reason why I was pushing so hard to go pro was because the money. Yeah. I know if I can make some money, she can get some money. Yeah. I'm taken care of. She don't have to work so hard. Yeah. I'm still young. Maybe my career can take off from here. Yeah. So that was my main concern. I need to go play pro. Yeah. College, can I, I can always go back into it. Yeah. But I know a lot of the, the system is go to college, graduate, get a good education, degree, and then get drafted. Yeah. I, I didn't have time for that. Yeah. I feel like my time was now. Um, Hispanic playing in the U.S. is... Big time. Big time. On top of that, it's, it's not really a common thing when you see Gonzalez on the back of a jersey yeah. for the U.S. So it was more so I need to go play. I finished high school and I was like, the opportunity came to go play in Mexico. I was like, I'm going, I'm, take it. I'm going to Mexico. Yeah. Play for Tigres, which is a top team for the youth. Develop a lot of players there. So yeah. I was like, why not give it a shot? Definitely a no-brainer, bro. Yeah, it was more so like come try out for two weeks. We're interested. We'll see how it goes. But within a week, I was already offered a contract for three years in Mexico. I was like, here's my time. I need yeah. to take it now. I had obviously four rides to, let's say, UCLA. Um, UConn was the top squad back then. So yeah. it was just like school or make the money now. Yeah. And for me, it was like, look, mom, I'm sorry that I'm doing <laughs> education, but yeah. I promise that this will also take care of you yeah. and obviously me and all the struggles that we had growing up. So that was my respect, my first bro. Thing. First respect, because that's a dream, you know, as far as like maybe the American dream, as far as like a soccer player is to go to college, like, nah, like I coming from Hispanic background, anywhere in the world, the yeah. dream is to play pro and the dream is to, you know, play pro as young as we can. So I wish that that was fed out, you know, 
I respect I, the fact that you know you wanted to and you you, you kind of you just asserted that you that's what you wanted to do and you, you know your motivation was your mom and and you know obviously a salary you know it's 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 respectful it's it's the right way it's the it's a different kind of hunger yeah. you know and I wish that I had that hunger because I wish that you know I had heard like oh go to college go to college go to college and I wish somebody would have told me like nah like because deep and deep in deep in my heart I knew that I wanted to go pro yeah but I I was just like oh I've always kind of just been told to go to college and like the reason I I want to talk about it is because I think that we should give our players that option we should be able to you know talk to them about have that conversation it's like you know college may not be the best option for some of y'all you know if you know you see what happens in the NBA some of you guys skip college yeah. to go to the pro because they want to take care of the family I don't think there's nothing wrong with that I feel like that's the right way to do it clearly there's there comes risk with that you know contracts politics and everything that goes behind the scenes but if you know if you, you if you're willing to bet on yourself if you're willing to you know just grind it out and take that risk I feel like it's worth it I feel like we need to start telling these players like my brother's 16 and my brother tells me, I tell my brother, like, well, what's your goal? Like, what do you want to do? And he's like, I, I want to play college. And I'm like, where do you want to play college? He's like, I want to play college close to home. And I'm like, why? And he's like, so mom can see me. And I'm like, okay, cool. So what do you know? I kind of just go about it. I go see him play at the beginning of the season. He's good. Then I see him five games in. He's like, he's really good. And I'm like, yo, let's, what, let's go D1. Let's go, let's go to the ACC where I play. So he's like, all right, cool. Then we go 10 games in the season, my, my, you know, he's scoring, he's strong in the air. I re I'm realizing my 16-year-old brother, like, could play pro definitely in two yeah. years with the potential he has. So I tell him, I'm like, bro, honestly, what I'm going to tell you as an older brother, and I wish someone would, that would have told me, is like, go pro. Skip the NCAA, let's put that on the back burner. Let's not put that a priority. Let's, uh, let's graduate you from high school, let's get your grades up. Let's train for the next two years as a professional. By the time you finish high school, let's go to a USL team. Let's go maybe to a, a, a Galaxy 2 and try to try out and stuff like that. And if, by 20 years old, after two years of trying out, you don't make it, you still have eligibility, you can still go and play college at 20 years old. Yeah. I feel like no, no one's really giving that advice. I'm not hearing that advice from anywhere. I feel like, you know, growing up, I don't, the only advice was like, go to college, go to college. But I got to college, it wasn't the best fit for me. And I feel like my potential and my best years of development were rushed down the drain because I took a decision that the club teams and the American system had advised me to give it. And I just wanted to, you know, make, make, make a clear point that telling our players to go to college and at least just having college soccer as a number one priority i'm not saying it's wrong but it's i'm not saying it should be our number one yeah. priority if you really want to go play pro you know there's a window a short yeah. window for players sometimes a coach likes you and then a year or two he's like yeah uh, back then you were probably fit our system better you could have yeah. been our top whatever but then there's that little percentage that it's all it takes i mean the reason why i skipped college also is because i was playing club playing against ucla friendlies in their preseason yeah i was dominating as a left back I'm like how is it possible i'm still in high school yeah you guys are second third year in college and division one yeah it's like i told like nobody told me but i used to tell street well, what should i do i'm about to graduate i need to figure something out and he told me the same thing like i'm not telling you to do this but i'm giving you my advice and i think with him giving me advice going pro telling me take care of your family it's also was 
my mindset. I mean, yeah. like you said, there's nothing wrong with college, but sometimes, you know, there's a bigger picture and education's always there. Yeah. To play a pro, a dream, is once in a lifetime. You can play yeah. one year. It could be the best year, it could be the worst year, but at least you're experiencing something that a lot of players don't get to experience. Facts. Nah, I, I think, I think yeah, I think our, 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 obviously our time is, you know, coming to an end, but as far as like developing, our time developing has come to an end, but I feel like it's time for us to give the feedback, bro. And I feel like there's, there, I feel like to this day, a lot of our, our advice is still trying to get our players to the college system. Try to get a full ride. Try to get a full ride. And, and you know, parents and players have to, have to see that realistically, it's so hard to get a full ride. Yeah. You got to realize that, the team, I guess, I think men men get probably like nine scholarships and they have to divide that nine scholarships on between, what, 24, 22 players. So to, for you to get a full-ride scholarship is going to be, chances are slim to none. So, you know, it's, you know, I feel like a lot of people don't, you don't tell us to to chase the dream because they're saying, oh, the, the chances of you, you know, making a pro are slim to none. But yeah. it's just like, so are the chances of getting a full, you know, full-ride scholarship. So I feel like it, we just have to give our players options. We just got to give them options just because every journey is going to be different. Every every kid's going to be recruited different. And especially in this system, bro, you, like I said, there, there's no clear blueprint on, on how to do things. So I feel like we, if there's so many, you know, there's no clear blueprint, we can't just tell kids like, oh, you have to go to college. You have to go to college. It's, we have to find better advice. We have to give them a better blueprint, like such as yourself, you know, maybe I skip college and I go to Mexico, you know, so you clearly decided to go to Tigres. Would you say it was a good decision or a bad decision? I mean, it was good. Yeah. You train all this time to be at least decent, you know? Yeah. To know the fact that your hard work is paying up to sign your first part contract. Not in the United States, but in Mexico where, you know, a lot of the, the people in Mexico get signed because they live in Mexico. They start yeah. with the youth. I'm coming from a whole different country. To a team like that, I was like, I can't beat that. I can't really beat the experience. My first time really being in Mexico, experiencing the culture, learning the, the game out there is a lot different from yeah. what I was taught, you know? But at the same time, it's one of those things where you know that you're in the right path and you're doing something well enough to make me, you know, get called up to the first team yeah. or national team now. So it was one of those things where like, I didn't expect to succeed so quick because after a month of training with the U17s, I started going with the U20s. I yeah. did preseason with the U20s. My first game against Santo, I get an assist. And my first assist was to Alan Pulido. Damn, he was there. Yeah. So he was, he was the, my guy. Like, he's like, hey, I like how you play. Like, let me take you out. Let me show you around. So I started experiencing a lot of things that I didn't experience back home but i was also learning from somebody that i didn't i just knew he was a u20 player i don't know yeah. that was the name that almost took around yeah but look at him now getting called up to the full national team i'm learning from Tuka. was he was, he was my coach yeah you know? one of the options if you're not going to go to college is you know a lot of uh, the common number one number one thing is that players are going to go either to mexico you know if you're from southern california i feel like a lot of the players if they don't go to college are going to go to mexico yeah. And if they don't go to Mexico, you know, maybe Sweden or to like one of the pro, you know, one of those European countries to try to develop. But I feel like a lot of a lot of players have to American players have to understand that like that's such a tough process, bro. Like you have to go there, not just only fit, 
you have to go there mentally strong because people look at American players as weak. Yeah. You know, like yeah, yeah, we're you know we're Hispanic first, and you know, but they they look at us like oh he's coming from here's a gringo coming, he's got to be pussy, he's gonna be whack, blah blah blah. So that it's not a handout. You know, the, your development through Sharif must be good because. But you pulled up, signed, and you know you were welcome into you know that Tigres group, and you know I feel like you were not under just in the group group and under a good club, but you know the coach there was you know amazing. So I feel like that that's that's a very you know if you put thought into it, if you put the thought into it, and if you do the right the right homework, you're gonna end up at the right fit as you know as far as if you don't decide to play college. You yeah. Know? You do. You stay one season at Tigres, and I did one year, and that was it. I came back to the United States, got myself an agent, and then that's how I ended up with the Portland Timbers. Portland Timbers. What I one pattern that I've noticed that works, you know, for for the advantage of an American player is to definitely leave for a year. And I feel like once you come back and you have that that you know that on your resume that you played in Mexico in Tigres or you played anywhere professionally your price goes up. Mm -hmm. I feel like as far as like recruitment, you're, you're, you, I feel like we need, it, it kind of, it's, that, that's what I'm frustrated with is like, okay, like you want us to play at the college level and you, you, you know, you're suggesting that for us to go to the college level, but a player that leaves such as yourself to an international country comes back for a year, gets the respect and now is on the radar of professional teams. You know, they didn't so, ask me what college did you go to? It was, oh, you come from Mexico? Exactly, after one year, yeah, right? Let's so, talk about what's the situation right here, what's going to happen. You're interested, we're interested. And usually it's like, oh, you, what college do you go to? D2. Oh, okay, well, yeah. maybe we'll... They don't, they don't give you, the, they they don't don't give you that respect. So, you know, that what Eric saying is like, that's why I don't really think we should have our number one priority be that to get us to college. Because college, the college game doesn't get any respect. You know, we can do four years. And we can, you know, show up and then a kid that's been in, in Tigres for one year is going to get that spot, yeah. no matter what, because of that professional experience. So I feel like we just have to give better advice. We have to give a better blueprint, um, you know, of little things like that, where you saw that, you know, you went away, came back and you signed with the Timbers. Oh, you do so well with the, with the, with the 23, with the pulling 23s that you put onto the reserves and then you finish out a full season with the first team. How was that experience? Uh, crazy. I mean, I think just experiencing Mexico and the U.S. their systems is yeah. a little in one year was, you know, a little a little bit different. But obviously here in the U.S. we have more, more money and more stuff to to provide. So I thought I was coming in like Mexico, washing all stuff, you know. Yeah. And it just made me realize, like, you know, maybe the MLS has his ways of, of getting people's attention to come play here. I was like 20, 19, 20, playing for the Portland Timbers. I didn't, for me, it was like, this is what, I don't want to diss the MLS at what I'm going to say, but it's, it's kind of like college. Yeah. You show up to train, your uniform is, is put up in your locker room, you get free cleats, you get meal, you perform in front of people. I thought, you know, me missing out on college was gonna be a bad idea, but I'm actually experiencing yeah. with with the MLS. But at the same time, I'm experiencing at a higher level. Well, I'm getting paid to do it at a certain point. Yeah. So I felt like Portland was a little of both work because I'm still young. Yeah. I get to experience it at 1920. Same thing we do in college, 
but you're also doing what you're loving, knowing that yeah. I don't have to go back home to do classes, to do assignments, finals. So I felt like Portland was a little bit more of a a good place to start off just because it was the first year in the MLS. They want to make sure they're doing things right. Yeah. They're expanding as the year goes with the stadium, with the fan base, with players, coaches. Like, I thought it was my first year there was dope. I mean, I, I get to experience the growth from the USL last year to the MLS first year. I thought it was pretty, pretty exciting. Yeah, man, they've been a successful franchise, bro. Mm-hmm. If, if, if you, if you look, Obviously, they won. They won a few years ago, but their growth as a soccer powerhouse, the culture that they have built in Portland, is incredible. Not just so you know the growth that they've done in the MLS, but if if you go back to the you know you were you were there with the first year in the MLS, but before that, they they had a six stadium. Yeah. They had they had the right crowd. They had you know they would cut the trees down. Yeah. People really invested into that, and I feel like it goes to show you that. A little club like that with the right, you know, with the right funding, with the right people behind it can become a powerhouse. So I feel like if we were to change the dynamic of like the soccer, you know, the, the leagues in America where there should be a regulation and the motion, you know, between the USL and the MLS, I feel like soccer will be more popular. I feel like players will have a better, you know, something to play for and fans will have something to play for if the dynamic and the culture was, you know, based on regulation and promotion on performance, you know, because right now it's pretty much is no one's held accountable. It's just like the MLB and the NBA, the, you know, the same thing yeah. every year. I feel like, you know, if you look everywhere else, you know, the, these these clubs, no matter how small they are, they're trying to fight to get, you know, from second division to first division. And we've seen it with Leicester City, bro. They, they, they got, they won it. Yeah. And, and it's like, history and, and, and the, the motion and how it brings people together and how it brings the whole world together is you know it goes to show you that it can be done through the sport and i feel like we're not yeah we hear that we don't have any culture and any identity and no unity here in america but it's because of stuff like this because we don't have you know everything's again back to about money the reason why we don't have regulation and and, and the motion is because uh, uh because to protect the investor, to protect, you know, to keep to keep the money safe. You know, that way you don't, you don't want people putting in money and then they don't perform well and then they have to be in second division. Well, and I experienced that, that whole topic with uh, when I was in ATL. With the Silverbacks. Um, NSL wanted to do things with MLS and MLS was like, we don't want to promote nothing. Like, you guys stay your level, we stay here. Yeah. But then, as the years went by, the MLS told NSL, if you guys can provide us a certain amount of money to collide both leagues, we're willing to open that up. And then that's when New York Cosmos came in and Miami came in, the owners, provided that amount. Here, now now let's let's do it. MLS shut it down because first they didn't think they had the money to, yeah. to bring up. Second, it was like LA Galaxy was at the bottom of the table, mm-hmm. so they don't want LA, LA Galaxy to go down. Market. Yeah, because yeah. Miami and Cosmo were winning the league every year. Yeah. Then there was nothing else to it. They're just champions. All right, next year let's see if we can do it again. Yeah. So they started doing. They wanted to do that, but yeah, it's to protect that. It's so it's like no. It's to protect protect money. Yeah. Protect money. Yo, like you said, like LA Galaxy. How are you gonna have LA Galaxy play second division yeah. in the biggest market in the MLS? That's why this is a retirement league, and that's why this this league is not 
growing the way it should be because we're 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 protecting the money we're protecting money first bro and like i said like if, if you know if you were to have like a level playing field where the cosmos and because there's good USL yeah. sites, you know, bro. You see what, what who's killing it? Uh, they're from where Danny Barrera's at. Um, Hartford, oh, yeah. Hartford, bro. Hartford tells me that they have the facility, they have the crowd, they have the players to maybe beat out some of these MLS teams. So if that's a crazy dynamic and, and crazy story that you're telling us because yeah, that's that's how I see it as a fan. As a fan, I'm, I would love to see some of these USL teams or even NPSL teams, you know, have a chance or get a run at it. And we have it with the Open, Open Cup. We see how exciting the Open Cup is. And you can see that anybody can really yeah. beat anybody. A lot of the European players started going to the USL because it's it's an easier league for them. Like, Joe Cole was playing for Temporalities one year. Yeah. Like, how's that? how do you skip MLS to go to USL? Yeah. It's like, if I'm going to get the same pay, I might as well go to lower division. Yeah. So it's it's... I think USL it's doing its thing now that it's kind of like by itself. Yeah. But I still think that MLS is just being too hard headed with with their ways. What, what they have, what for USL it is because yeah. USL teams and players go to the MLS like Kane. Kane was in the USL now he's balling for LFC and now he's called up to the national team like yeah. They're they're not they're not opening their eyes on just. The league, they should focus on the players itself because sometimes they're there's sound. a gem right yeah. there in that team where they play for, I don't know, like a smaller USL team, but they can still be in the MLS. And it just makes no sense how MLS can just bash on these leagues saying, oh, you have started a whole new league. We're not worried about that. Yeah. It's, just, it's just kind of embarrassing at a certain point. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's a lot, a lot of, a lot of stuff that you know on the business side we may not understand, or you know, the, the, we go behind the scenes. But like clearly, you've seen that yeah. what goes down, and it goes to show you that the MLS is comfortable because they're yeah. they're making their money, they're selling their jerseys, they're selling their seats. The, the I, what, one thing I hate, bro, is the DP rule. <laughs> you know, like as far as like DP rule is like yeah, in, in the past, David Beckham would be. It's dope that David Beckham came and showed awareness and, you know, you know, did what he did and pioneered the next level of this thing. But now you see, like, the Iguain brothers coming in and they're in last place and yeah. they're walking on the field. And it's just like, this is why, you know, our, our, our team is not developing. These are why our youth has to go, has to be exported because we're giving the big checks and big monies to the Iguain brothers, to the washed up people, you know, that want to come here and kind of just retire and instead of giving it to the young youth talent, yeah. instead of giving it to the USL, you know, talent that, you know, instead of looking for someone in the USL to be the next DP, like, cause it's there, or maybe in the college league, it's just like, nothing makes sense. Nothing that MLS, all of the rules that they have don't make sense. If you th see what happened with Atlanta Silver, uh, Atlanta United with uh, Hainsey before he, he got fired recently, but he was trying to put, some of the like uh, some of the academy kids on the first team and the leagues wouldn't allow yeah. them. It shows you like okay so like if the rules are are if there's a rule that pro that prevents you from putting a young player on the first team like what the fuck like it's it's a false dream that you're selling to yeah. ev to every player that's you know, thinks that they're gonna be able to climb up the ladder and it's like it's a false promise and yeah but like I, I really think we we have a lot of the stuff backwards and and. Hey, I'm tired of people thinking, oh, it's a young league, or it's like, no, bro. It's the thing is that we don't want to let go of the money. Yeah. We don't want to let go of the money and build the 
the right foundation, you know, and it's sad. And like you said, it's, it's embarrassing because at the end of the day, yeah, America is a capitalist country and we want to make money, but like also like we got to do business the right way. And you know how we do business the right way is by developing the talent young from these rec leagues, from Pasadena, and then selling them, bro. And then collecting all that money and then reimbursing it. It all recycles, you know, instead of charging for a left, charging for soccer. Like, you know, I feel like these youth clubs are are not where it's at, not where it needs to be. And I feel like we have a, a big a big mountain to climb, but but I feel like it's gonna get there. I have I'm optimistic. I'm optimistic that, you know, soccer in America is growing. It may not be growing right now, but it's definitely where it needs to be going. You I know? feel like it is. I mean, like I feel like you can get a young kid, give him a salary of seventy to hundred K, that's nothing to them unless yeah. they, you know they're talented and then two years down the road you sell them, mm -hmm. now you make your money. It's like yeah. But the worst part is, like, Emily doesn't see how we see it because there's a World Cup, there's the Olympics, there's yeah. the Gold Cup. At one point, U.S. was even qualifying. So it's like, we're, we're trying to get better, but we're not showcasing our talent with the youth. Now you go to the bigger stage where everybody watches mm -hmm. these tournaments, and you're not even there. Why? Because yeah. you forget about what's really going to help you as the years go by. Yeah. So I feel like... U.S. should kind of, kind of just work on stuff again with, they're sending kids to the to the Europe and then bring them back here and then help them get better with the MLS. Yeah. Get them experience something. Give them, give them something where we can kind of send players there and then bring them back to the to the states and then have them develop even more. But we don't yeah. have anything. We don't have nothing as far as like, it's crazy that we have to that our option our number one option is to export it because we know that. That's the fastest way, and the thing is, like, the, the, we don't have anything that that's the best possible option to export it because we legit have nothing to yeah. offer them here, and it's it should be to a point where, bro, like, where there's 25 cities, 20 was there's 27 teams in MLS, there's probably like 24 cities, and that you know the where they can start you know developing these these youth talent as far as like through through the public system through rec centers yeah man like i feel like i feel like the mls has done a lot of growth in the last 25 years you know uh with the awareness of soccer the growth in soccer but it's time to actually you know invest in the youth invest into the development invest into the reserves and the academies and not just you know try to bring in the all you know the old names yeah, yeah, you know the, the the not just to sell seats, you know, because there is talent. You see, you see the seventeen-year-old from Dallas, Texas, Pepe. He just mm -hmm. scored a hat trick. Like th those are the players that we should be cashing out. Those are the players that in five years, and you know, the kids eighteen in three years, we can sell them for millions. You know, and it's just like I feel like those are the we have to start investing in domestic talent, and not just investing in domestic talent, but keeping that domestic talent here. I don't, feel, you know, I don't want them to send them. I feel like we, the MLS has to provide. We have the resources. We have everything. We just need the right map and the right umbrella, bro. Um, but yeah, so after the Timbers, you have a good run with the Timbers, and you're still very young, right? Yeah. So you go back home to train with Mount Sac, and you end up staying there. I ended up staying there. <laughs> Somehow, <laughs> some way, I ended up staying there. So, yeah, man. So, at this point, you've played in, you know, on the national team, you've played in Mexico, you played with the Timbers, which, which is a, it was an amateur contract, so you still had eligibility. Mm -hmm. 
to play with Mount Sac. And Mount Sac, for those who know, it's a community college in um, Walnut, Pomona, Southern California area, and it's a powerhouse. As far as like, as far as like, if you're not, you know, let's say you're not, you're in an unclear path in your soccer career where you're playing club and you know you're not getting recruited or you're not you know you don't have have plans of going pro or signing with an agent you should really look into the community college game if you want to you know keep keep playing if you want to you know keep developing you know you have to you you, you might want to take a look at Pasadena City College Cerritos Mount Sac Yavapai Tyler Community College in Texas there's a lot of powerhouses that, you know, are not just giving opportunities to develop, but actually putting people in the pros. You know, Mount Sac has put tons of talent through the pros. I just talked to Alan Rovida. I just talked to uh, Mike Randolph, who come from Community College. And it shows you that, you know, if you actually go there and grind for those two years and you're in an environment where you can, you know, focus on being a soccer player, you're going to have those, not, not just, you're going to have, you know, those chances to, to get recruited and be seen by D1s, but you also can go and sign pro right off of community college. We've seen Yuda from Pasadena do it. We've seen a lot of people, you know, who from other colleges have taken this this path. And it also, I feel like it's 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 our duty to to put that out there that, okay, like, you know, even if a parent is like clueless about the college system and wants to, you know, just you know educate themselves on what to expect for their child if he's not getting recruited, definitely, do, do, do your due diligence and do your homework on what community college is close to you, what's, what can be a good fit. Because the college level, the, the, as far as the, the soccer level, it's a good level. So uh, let's talk about your, your experience at Mount Sac, uh, you know, as far as like, how'd you end up there and kind of kind of your experience with Juan? Because Juan is, man, a legend. Another one. Another legend who, you know, who, another person who from Southern California who is doing it right, who has been doing it right for, for multiple years, you know, so definitely someone that, you know, has a lot of, you know, has a lot, has had a lot of influence on the Southern California soccer. And so like, the reason why I went to Mount Sac was because one of my old teammates for Sharif, he was training there in his off season. He was playing at Irvine. So I hit him up like, hey, where are you training at? Because the fields are nice there. So yeah. he, he was like, I want to go there. And he was I saw a lot of college players. I'm like, okay, this is a good place to go train. And he told me Mount Sac, never heard of it. Yeah. Didn't even know what it was. Didn't even know that thing existed. And he's like, just come out. Uh, the coach knows about you. You come out, train next week with us and and see how it goes. So I showed up my first day. He knows me from high school, apparently. Um, I know some of the guys already, just being local. Yeah. From even youth days, we, were, we used to go against each other. And then next thing you know, he's like, "Why do you like it here?" I'm like, "I mean, it's cool. It's a, it's a cool place to come train." Thinking nothing of it, and he's like, "Good, because I register you to come play for me for my for your first year." I'm like, "What are you talking about?" He's like, "Yeah, Marco told me that you didn't have an option to go anywhere. Like you were still trying to figure out where to go." And he's like, "Come play for me. Play a year at least. Let me guide you the right way through college or whatever the case may be. How well you do depends on you." And and just see how it goes from there. So I ended up playing my first year. We won state and nationals. It was a four P for Mount Sag. Wow. We were undefeated that whole year. Uh, a lot of players were sent out to D one schools. Um, 
I think Juan was just the perfect fit for me because he understands like the struggle. He understands that he can take plates to the next level, but he's not. He doesn't throw that out you like here. I'm gonna do this for you. It's like this is what I can offer you. This is what you can do. Mm -hmm. We'll meet in the middle, and then after your years up, let's see how far you can go and where I can take you. He's someone that you know. He's he's Mexican, Mexican yeah. background. So you know, he grew up in. in uh, California, I think, and he played in the American system, right? So someone that guided you the positive way. Sharif is someone that went to UCLA, that played in the American system. We don't really necessarily need to bring foreigners or we need to adapt our soccer, or our philosophies from South America or Europe. Just like the guys that know the system, the guys that are successful, the Bruce Arenas, the Sharifs, the, uh, the Juans, they're all grew up in the American system, they know the American system. So I feel like, again, it goes to show you that we have not just the resources, not just the players, but we have the experience and we have the knowledge here in America. So, bro, so that's why, you know, I, I'm not just, I know it's, 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 a, it's a, a system that's in shamble, but that's why I'm optimistic because, well, once we figure it out, bro, we're going to be that, yeah. we're going to be that nation. And, and, and you know, and, your 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 journey is not hasn't been a fairy tale journey. You know you you didn't go to college. You went to Mexico. You you know you bounced back to the MLS. You bounced community college. It shows it at every level. You had someone that gave you the right guidance that knew the system, and it was not just because they were probably not the most popular or not you know the most gifted coaches, but they just knew they understood the immigrant background. They understand where you come from as a as a person, not just a soccer player. And I feel like. For the dynamic and for the for the development of a player, those are the important factors. You know, not just the soccer fields, like people that have the compassion and the empathy, like Sharif, like Juan, that actually know that, you know, it's not just they're not just a number, they're not just a we're gonna use them and then they actually, you know, people who actually like, okay, you come from this background, you'll be a better fit here. Yeah. Boom, boom, boom. Let me let me give you the tools, let me give you the environment, let's work out the way we wanna work out, and then it's on you. You know, and that's all we need. That's all a player, uh, that's all any American player needs is someone that actually cares about the development. It's not just, you know, about keeping the job or, you know, just kind of just like getting that group and kind of teaching them a system and pushing it on. It's actually doing doing those things that, ex not even that extra mile, what a coach should be yeah. doing, you know? And it was for free. I mean, I'm pretty sure Juan doesn't know we're talking about him. Yeah. He doesn't understand the impact that he has exactly. gave us. Shreve doesn't know either. Like, yeah. yeah, we can tell him, but... So you have a good a good first year at Mount Sac. The level's good. You guys win 4P. You get a national championship. Uh, you go All-American. All-American. All All-American. So you decide to stay another year there. Yeah. Um, I was supposed to... I was supposed to do one year. And then just the way things were going with soccer... I mean, mind you, I, I had no agent, so I, at that time, agent was the way to go about things. So my mind was like, let me play one more year, let me get myself back in shape, get myself yeah. experience, and then go try out for all these other teams. I do my second year, one against, guiding me through the whole process. He's like, these are the colleges that are interested in, but these are the other pro teams that are also a best fit for you. So you just play play the season, pick left or right. You decide what you want to do. Just make sure you ball out. He gives me the the responsibility for the team, just so he can get myself 
ready for the next level. It's like, you're gonna be my captain. I need you to make sure that you take care of the, the team and and just prove why you're the captain, why you deserve these two options. Yeah. We win state again, and then I get All-American as well. So that was kind of how I ended up my, my two years at Mount Sag, just with Juan just guiding me throughout the whole process, just making sure that I'm still level-headed and, yeah. and still remember that there's still hope to do this, which was college was always going to be there. Yeah. But it was also that that 1% chance that I can still go pursue and play soccer again at a higher level than, than college. Man, that's that's dope, bro, because like I said, Juan, I played for Juan when I was 15, and he was the first person to introduce a 3-5-2. Mm -hmm. And he, he, that's what he played at Mount Sac. And if a person, if a coach, this is a coach that knew himself. He knew his style. He knew no matter like what player, what group he, he got, what talent he got, he was going to play this yeah. format. So that's, you know, I feel like that's something important that up and coming players need to need to pay attention in their recruiting process. See what formation, ask the cultural formation he's been playing the last two years and stuff. Because a lot of the times, you know, you go on these recruiting visits and they'll sell you a dream. They'll sell you the Nike sponsor. They'll sell you, oh, you know, we have a good football team, blah, blah, blah. But like, nah, what formation are you guys going to do? Because I want to know because I don't want to pull up to preseason and then, you know, you tell me we're going to be a fast, direct attacking team, but then because of the conference we're playing, we have to sit back yeah. and we have to fight. And like, that's that's not the right way to do things, you know? So a lot of, I feel like the more questions you ask about style of play, about formation, about, you know, actually do, because the coach is going to know everything about you, but are you, you going to know everything about the coach? You know, I feel like that's a lot of, a lot of parents have to do their, their knowledge, you know, their homework on that. And a lot of players have to do their homework on you know, if you, you decide to play college or junior college, you know, but definitely Juan Amount Sack is someone that's going to play you a 3-5-2. He likes, you know, to pack the middle. He likes to keep the ball, and it's an attractive style of soccer. So, you know, if that's a, if that's a style you want to play, Mount Sack is definitely a place you want to be. It's funny that you mentioned in 3-5-2 because my whole club until Mount Sack, I was a left back. Yeah. Juan tells me I play the system. I was like, okay, I can... I can play in the back, you know, with three. He's like, you're going to play in the middle. You're going to play like a stopper for me. I was like, yeah. I haven't done this. Like, this is not new, but at the same time, like, a whole different style of play. Because yeah. I used to run the whole line by myself. Yeah. It's like, now you're going to hold there. You're going to just, you're going to be the defensive anchor. And then just ping that ball whenever you see it. Yeah. And it was just funny because I'm like, I don't know how to play the mid. Like, yeah. I just I played in high school, yeah. but everybody plays different positions in high school because it's, it's it's a lot easier, school. you know. Yeah. It's cheap, and it's a lot like more fun to do other things. So that was my only experience as a deep mid. And then Juan comes and chooses a three five two. Yeah. Now I'm stuck in the middle, learning the whole position as the years go by. Yeah. But it, it turns out from there, everybody loved me in the middle, and that's why I ended up kept playing pros. As a whole team mix, which is that's crazy. Two different positions from the whole line to the middle it was yeah. just a little different for me. That being, you don't want to be a role player, you know. Like yes, you want to be open to playing different positions. Like in your in your case scenario, you went from off to the left to the middle and actually work, and it makes you a more complete player. You know, sometimes you're actually better in a different position than you're used to. So uh, you know, I just wanted to point that out because that's a, that's a lot of the times. A lot of the times, it's not. It's not a success story where you know someone gets moved and and they get you actually yeah. adapt and you know actually you made a career out of this you know it's fact sitting in the six so 
That's dope. Like I said, like yeah, Juan Juan is Juan knows Juan is a soccer yeah. genius, bro. He knows he he has you know not your typical tiki taka, but he definitely is very organized, and definitely we're gonna maintain the bond and try to go yeah. forward. And that, that's I feel like that's that's the attractive soccer American, not just college soccer. It's not just an attractive soccer college soccer style. It's an attractive American style. I feel like bro, like we have the athleticism and the speed to play three in the back and yeah. just pack it in the middle and then like let us you know have two big boys up top two targets and i feel like that that's that's a clearly clearly a, a format that works in the in the junior college level so i'm sure it could work you know at the higher levels um, throughout the u.s so after two successful years at mount sac you know, great guidance. At mine at this point, bro, you you come from a single single parent home. Mm -hmm. You know, you you come from a public school, and on top of this, you're getting all this stuff for free because of soccer. Yeah. You're getting through life because of soccer. As far as like, yeah, you're climbing up the ladder of a, as a player, but as a human, bro, think about it. You don't have to worry about housing, food, and stuff like that. Yeah, like man, I'm sure you had your struggles, but as far as like, you always had a direct. Pathlines like I'm gonna I'm doing this because of soccer, yeah. and it shows that yo like these, these this is what I'm why we're fighting to change the system because your mom is proud of you you know Pasadena is proud of you and you've got gotten all these opportunities through soccer so if you give the access to this simple game bro we're gonna be able to get a lot of kids out the hood out the streets and actually you know form a great quality life you know so after that you become. Man, I love telling this story, bro. I love talking about Cal FC because, because again, it goes to show you the, the talent that is in these amateur leagues, the talent that is in like these, you know, um, lower level leagues that, you know, anyone could beat anybody. So you, after Mount Sac, you joined Cal FC with Danny Barrera, who was a Richie Menjivar, oh, Mike Randolph, Pablo Cruz. You were on there. Um, Derby Carrillo was there. Yeah. So, yeah, man, I, that's, a, that's a story I'm very familiar with. You know, are all none of you guys are pro. A lot of you guys are looking for a contract. Some of you guys are training there. For, you know, a lot of the, a lot, some of the thing Richie was there, uh, you know, training for college and stuff like that. And it ended up happening, you know, Eric Wanda puts this group of guys together and you guys start smacking everybody. You guys, you know, the Open Cup is... USL teams, MLS teams, MPSL teams, and they all compete under amateur one. Teams. All the amateur teams compete, you know, under in this tournament just, you know, for a big cash prize. And yeah, like, you know, it, it's one of those only tournaments where MLS teams, you know, can be played. Yeah. You can play at the MLS. Uh, what do you remember about this group? What do you remember about Eric Guinalda and this whole experience? Uh, well, Pablo called me up. <laughs> and Pablo has been my guy since we were in Villa Park. So yeah. we've known each other for 20 plus years. Let me tell you one thing about Pablo, bro, because I think I brought him up. I've done, this is my 10th episode. I brought him up like at least six of the episodes because he's someone, when it comes to Mike Randolph, when it comes to you, when it comes to Alan Rovita, Pablo is someone that always has looked out, bro. He's like a mini agent. Yeah. He's like, he's he knows, you know, obviously he, he's a baller himself. But he knows the players that can fit into the right teams, you know, that they may be able, maybe that may be a good fit for a certain coach. So he's always looked out, bro. Cause from experience, I can tell you, like, after college, he was someone on the phone with me, hey, bro, 
come sign here, come play here. Mike Randolph told me too, was like, oh, he's, you know, Pablo got me this trial. Richie yeah. Menjivar told me like, oh yeah, I was over Pablo Cruz. And bro, that guy not only is a baller and has an eye for talent, but he just looks out for people, bro. So like, and he's someone that's had a great story, he has climbed up every ladder, and he's someone that I'm, bro, I'm dying to get on the podcast. So, you know, shout out to my boy Pablo Salute. Cruz, bro. Salute to Dean of legend. Yeah, so he called me up talking about, hey, we're setting up for this tournament. I didn't yeah. know what the Open Cup was. Yet alone, I didn't know who Eric Ronaldo was. Uh -huh. Hey, Eric Ronaldo's asking about you. I told him, and I'm like, who's Eric Ronaldo? And obviously, for me, the people that know me, I don't really follow soccer that too much. Like, yeah. basketball is my. We can talk yeah, about yeah. basketball from the 80s, 90s, whatever. Yeah. So, Paulo was like, Eric Ronaldo is a coach now. He's coaching, he's setting up a whole group of guys that made it pro, and they're looking for something right now. We're just gonna, he's building a team, we're doing open cup run. Uh, he's gonna take care of you, he's gonna pay you just to come out and play, and you know, so it's worth your time. And that's where I remember I showed up one day to a thousand oaks. Yeah. We played some Sunday league team, but the team was just nasty. Like, you touch your ears, nasty. You touch it there, you, I'm like, who's these guys? Yeah. And he's like, don't worry, like, we're gonna set you up, we're gonna take care of you. And next week we were gonna take off to I think was Wilmington. Yeah. We we're gonna go play USL team. Or yeah, I think they were USL at the time. And that was my first memory with with Winada and Pablo and Richie and Mike Randall. That was I was just learning what this tournament was and was learning what the whole point of this tournament was. I was learning about Winada. So I was just a kid going in there just like Yeah. Yeah, if I get to play with these guys, why not? Let me see what what you guys are talking about, and that's how it all started with me. So that team ends up, you guys go to Wilmington, beat them. I think you guys played the Sounders, you almost beat them. Yeah, so we started, the thing was, we played Hammerheads, um, Tacoma, I think it was Tacoma. We went to Seattle or Washington, and then we ended up playing Portland. We beat them, and then we lost to Seattle. Second half, because first half it was zero zero, and then. Hey, but then they brought the first team. They already <laughs> had the first team, uh -huh. so we gave them a PK, and then after that PK, we we knew like, we did what we could. Sixty around the sixtieth minute, that's when we kind of just yeah, our hopes just went down. But it, from what's incredible about that Open Cup run and that Cal FC team is, you know, obviously Eric Ronaldo on on a whim puts a group of guys together. Yeah. There's a lot of potential, but what's dope and what's Cinderella-like story about this is that he takes, I don't know, six to eight guys to, and signs them to Orlando Silverbacks, and he signs them pro. And not only, you know, it goes from being a Cinderella story where they had a good uh, run in the open cup, it's like, nah, this guy actually took half of the team and signed them pro. You know, that eye for talent, it shows you again that the level of play, a level of players that are in these amateur leagues. And what we're all saying is correct that the talent and all the resources and everything we need is here because of Open Cup players. You know, it, 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 you guys didn't, you guys were with that group together, what, a year and a half together? I mean, I mean, a month, a month and a half I mean, together. A month and a half. And, you know, for you guys to be able to compete and be able to, you know, just like be able to like, yeah, compete against these like MLS teams who had to bring their first team to just, you know, take you guys out. Shows you that, you know, there things can be done right. And the things that, you know, there is, there is, if the right system and the right group of guys comes together, you know, something, something special can happen. So 
you sign your your back, you know, after community college, you sign with Atlanta Silverbacks, you play a full season there, you play and at that time is the NASL. Yeah. NASL. NASL. And yeah, you're a you're a pro. You're playing with Pablo Cruz, you're playing with a lot of you know, a lot of guys who you grew up in Southern California. How are you feeling? what's your mental? What's what what's your morale during this time? I mean it was I think for us was after the whole open cup run we were all like wondering what's gonna happen. Yeah. We just knew we we did some something crazy, it was history. And then I think within like two weeks when other gets a phone call to Silverbacks talking about he got hired to be a coach. So the core of Cal C ended up signing with with Winalda. But for me, it was more so like I didn't expect anything out of this tournament. I was yeah. just doing it because of Pablo. Yeah. You know, that's my boy. I'm a player. I'm down with that. And then the next thing you know, we're all getting offers. Come play this NSL. I didn't know what that was either. Yeah. I just I found out it was second division under MLS. So I see Mike Randolph get signed. Richie get signed. Uh, Diego gets signed and then Pablo gets signed like I'm signing too then <laughs> yeah. so I ended up taking the offer just because the same core that I just was playing with we're not playing pro it's like I feel like we can do damage in that league whatever it was yeah and I, after that it was just fun I mean it was just all so kind of guys knowing that we can actually play together we can actually dominate in the league and yeah. That's what we did. That we ended up winning the season. The huh? season, yeah, which was kind of crazy. Expecting a team that Silverbacks was just a decent team to bring all these guys in and changing the whole culture was was a lot, a lot of excitement for the city and just for us. It, That's it, bro. It's history, like you said. That's history. Like what, your your Cal FC run was history. The fact you guys took the same core under Eric Ronaldo and won. A season, like yeah. an official NASL season, is that's history itself. And there's, you know, a lot of the times we shit on our, on you know, the coach, the coaching, and the Americans, and you know, the Alexi Lalas and the Taylor Twelmans and stuff like that. But bro, there's people like Eric Winalda who are American legends who care about the sport, who believe in the, in, in, in you know, in the level of of players, not just you know, in the college system, but those players that get swept under the rug, you know, those players that come from the rec league, the Villa Parks, he but he has not just, I would say that soft spot, but he has that eye. He, yeah. can, he can, he, 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 he's not afraid to pull up to these, you know, USL games and like, let's see what's here. And actually, yeah. you know, he has a special talent. So when he ran for, when he ran for US soccer president, I was like, yes, this is what we need. We need someone who, has grown in the system, that knows the system, that's been successful, who's a soccer legend, and that can shake shit up, that can bring a different mentality and then, you know, can can wipe the whole blueprint as like, oh, you need to do it club level, you know, national team college to get to the pros. And I feel like Eric Ronaldo has, you know, has proved that there's there's other ways. There's another, there's other formulas and we just have to go back to our roots. We have to go to those players and we have to go to those towns and those leagues where a lot of the talent is unseen and untapped, you know, we're not going to find the best talent in the college system or at Dallas Cup or stuff like that. You're going to find them at the at the big cash prize yeah. tournaments in Dallas, the big cash prize tournaments here in L.A. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad you were able to, you know, not just continue your pro career, but continue, your, you know, your pro career under Eric Ronaldo, who I'm assuming, you know, taught you a lot for the game and taught you a lot, of, you know, 
you know, was a crucial part of your development also. Yeah, he did. He also taught me a lot of the business side, which a coach yeah. won't tell you yeah. a lot of things. He'll call me and will send me text messages about contracts and how they work and what the league wants and what he can do because of that. I mean, I, I think because of Eric, I started understanding a little bit more of what this U.S. Federation and the leagues are going to do because we all, all players are focused on how much we're getting paid who wants us, where can yeah. we go place. It was just like simple stuff, but we didn't realize why certain things were happening. So I started to realize like, okay, I know a little bit more business. I'm starting to understand why he's doing this. Or, yeah. you know, it gave me a little understanding of both worlds. Both work. worlds, like the business side and stuff. And that's that's one thing I, you know, obviously I want to start this this platform just to be a platform and it may be turned into a media company. But I, what I really think our purpose is, bro, where me and you can, can you know maybe create our own lane is to maybe be agents and to obviously you know you have the experience and you, you kind of know the business behind it because of, of you know of the stuff that you've been through but I feel like you know not only do I just want to document and provide information I feel like the next generation because think about it if you want to make a difference in the coaching world it's tough bro because all the positions are filled yeah. all the big dogs are comfortable they're soaking money and you know, and what I'm noticing is, bro, a lot of these players are like from, especially like you, from your experience, we're getting exploited, where we don't get the full details, where we only, you know, get half of the story. And I feel like it's about time that one, we need a better representation for players like us, for Pasadena players, for you know, players that you know may not be the most familiar with with systems like this, because it's stuff like. For example, they don't teach us of taxes in, yeah. in high school. I feel like there's not enough information about agents, about that game. I hear so many stories that, you know, a lot of a lot of players are getting fucked because of agents and it's a shady game and it's a cold world. So, you know, so I, I not just you know, I wanna obviously elevate the game of soccer, but I also wanna I wanna be provide you know, maybe an agency of, of people who who have experienced this that can guide the right way without having to exploit the family and having to exploit the, the, the player itself, you know? I mean, it's funny because right now I'm working with four players uh -huh. and they're working on uh, contracts right now. So they, they text me talking about, what do you think about this? Yeah. Or should I do this? And it's it's funny because nobody was telling me this before. Yeah. You had to learn. And these guys are probably like in the mid-20s. Yeah. And so I'm helping them negotiate their contracts and what to expect and what what you ask for exactly and it's like like uh nisa which is a whole new league it's yeah the pay there is yeah i've heard i've heard it's under a thousand dollars like yeah uh, like one somebody that i know has a family has a little daughter and a wife he was playing last year for 600 bucks just so he can pursue that dream the of dream him, that he's playing up a uh, pro athlete now i'm helping him negotiate that contract now he's making up like almost 2k yeah which is still nothing but from six to 2k it's, it's a better situation it's a, yeah it, it, a lot of people have to know that you know a lot it's it's tough now it's one thing the system's already fucked up the system's already in shambles but also the conditions yeah the pay the facilities bro the nutrition like the mental health stuff is still the bare fucking minimum so i'm glad that you know you're helping yeah, pave the way. You're paving, you're paving the way for you know for the next generation. I feel like that's what we have to do, bro. Because there's so, there's such a, a gap of, of communication, of like miscommunication between you know 
the business side and the, you know the soccer side and also being unfamiliar and the language barriers so yeah man i feel like feel like what you're doing is very important and i feel like we got to continue continue to just paint the picture bro paint the realistic picture on what to expect like yeah like you know us growing up we're first generation doing this so the stuff that we were getting is limited but now in a in a in an era where technology where we can record anything you know it's about document this is stuff that i want to document exactly like you know that you know, like the, the Nisa League and, you know, the conditions that some of these USL players have to go through, it, it's shocking and it just takes away from soccer. It takes away from the big picture of developing and the passion that you have for it. So we have to, you know, not just provide a better system, but also like a maintainable system where, where you know, it's, you know, where the conditions are better. Um, so you do, you win the league with Atlanta Silverbacks. And you're supposed to sign another year, but again, politics, and this, and this is a big, this is a big reality, not just in the pro world, but it, it, you know, also in the college world is that, you know, management's changed, you know, yeah. leadership's changed. So as far as like, you know, you come back the next year thinking you're going to play another year and Atlanta cleans house, right? So what happens after your second, after your first year? So that was my first year, and then my second year was actually my better year with the Silverbacks. Uh -huh. So that's why I've, I knew I was going to come back. Uh -huh. Even the GM was at our last game was against Edmonton. He comes into my hotel room with Pablo, and he, we were the GM was cool with the. He basically asked, asked me, "How do you feel about coming back?" I was like, "This is home already." Yeah. So, so this is home already, like. I want to come back and play, like, why not? Yeah. So he's like, okay, just go home, enjoy your your off-season. I'm going to hit you with a contract. And details were already, like, in print. It was just that when Alda left to go run for president, mm -hmm. so they had to bring somebody else in. This I think it was, like, Scottish guy. He ends up bringing his own players. I'm out the picture. So I'm like, here goes politics again. Yeah. And that's when I realized I don't want to play no more. This is... I bust my ass off for a whole year. I'm starting. I'm, you know, bro. You won at every level, yeah. bro. With the Timbers, you won. Uh, with the national team, Mount Sac, you won. With Cal FC, you won. So I, this is a successful career for you. So for you to be thinking like, damn, I don't want to play anymore, yeah. like, because that's like, what have I done wrong? Like, I didn't have no, I didn't catch no case that yeah. made teams run away. I didn't do anything crazy. Yeah. I was just playing my part, doing my thing all year, solid, you know. And then, then next thing you know, a new coach comes. He's like, he doesn't fit my style of play. I'm like, what is your style of play? I can do, I can do your long balls. I can keep yeah. the ball for you. I, I do it all. What is it? Yeah. And it was just one of the things. Was like, thank yeah. you for not thinking. I was like, yeah. all right, well, so this is why. You know, people hate soccer sometimes because they don't realize the struggle that we have to go through. Yet alone, because we know an agent is going to do some other stuff that you don't want to do. Yeah. You know, they, they handle the business side, so you don't understand exactly what what it is that they're talking about until you he tells you, here's your contract. You know, some shady stuff could be happening through the phone call, and yeah. he tells you all the good news. If you, if you sign this, you're happy because it's a contract, but... Doing everything alone is a lot tougher than yeah. what it is with somebody behind you, guiding you the whole way. Yeah, man. It's frustrating, you know, obviously to to not just, I feel like you were, you didn't have your typical cookie cutter 
a career trajectory, but you always were able to be a good fit anywhere you landed. And not just be a good fit, but be a successful fit. So at, well, how old are you at this point? 24, 23? Uh, I think I'm about 24. 24, so 20, think about it, bro. So at 24, you're someone that's been successful in the whole system. And at 24, you're having thoughts about, you've, you've, fallen, you've fallen out of love because of frustration in politics, not just because not just because things aren't going your way, but yeah. it's just like stuff that off the field, business side is not falling your way. So at 24, but someone that's supposed to be in their prime is calling it quits, that's a failure. Yeah. That's not a failure on your side, that's a failure on the American system, and that's a common thing happening till this day, bro, that at 24, a lot of careers are done because either things like situations like yours happen, or you go off to college, you graduate college, you, your morale is drained out of that, and you're you're hanging up the cleats, and that's how that's that's the main problem right there of us not elevating the game of soccer because at twenty our our our, our life expectancy career in the American system is twenty four years old. That's fucking yeah. that's fucking sad. That should be our prime years, you know. So I I, I think at the same age after college I was twenty four. I felt I went to El Salvador. I fell out of love. I was like I don't want to fucking do this anymore. There's no money. There's like, you know, you kind of just like, you love the game and stuff like that. Aside from that, you, you, you're, you can't, your quality of life is not getting better. Yeah. You know, your, your, your contracts and just like everything is not coming, coming the way, aligning the way it should be. So you're at a point where like, is it worth it playing soccer? Is it worth it, you know, keep killing my body for a paycheck that's not gonna, that's not livable. Yeah. So, you know, it goes to show you that the system has, is cutting us short. The system is, is, is even if for someone that, like you that's, you know, had opportunity, it's still tough to climb up the ladders and try to, you know, try, try to connect the You decide to take, what, some time off from playing? Well, I decided to like, just quit. Just quit. So you, so you, after that, you're 24. You're like, I don't want to do soccer no more. At that point, what do you were like? What do you think? What are your plans? Well, the reason I quit, and I was like, I'm a kid coming from Dina and having nothing and I expect anything. Yeah. I did more than I should yeah. have done, you know. So yeah. I'm 24. I can still live a a regular life and just put soccer to the side. So like, I stopped playing and then uh, ended up talking to uh, Alan. He <laughs> was local, so he's like, Hey, you want to coach? I'm like. Yeah, why not? Let me coach. Let me get into soccer at least. Yeah, coaching, stay close you know? to the game. Yeah, stay close. And to then game. that's why I started. I coached for there for like almost a year, a year and a half. Yeah. And I was like, I like. I started like soccer again. I started playing with the kids. Yeah. You know, so it was like I, I like giving back to the kids, and teaching them what you know the, the way soccer should be. Yeah. But I still miss playing soccer. And then that randomly get a call for a PDL team. To go play in Indiana, Kokomo, or in the random city that I didn't even know existed, or yeah. there was soccer, but my family was in Indiana, so I knew that yeah. there was something that can kind of bring me to go play there. And then somehow I just took the jump, and I was like, let me give this <laughs> a, a chance again, getting paid to play PDL, stay local to family. Yeah. You know, maybe I see them more than I usually see them, and I just said, why not? Three months out of the year. Let's see what happens. And so after that. after two years of being away from the game, out cold, you're coaching, you fall back in love. You get a random call and you just pick up and go and play. Yeah, I Bro. think like <laughs> a month. That's some baller shit. Less than a month, I was like, I'm done coaching. Thank you. I'm gonna go play. And I didn't say anything. 
That's what my mom like, hey, I'm gonna go play again. I'm gonna make some money at least. So I'm not just doing it for free. Yeah. And she's like, of course, go. Like she knows that obviously playing is my dream. Yeah. So she said, why not take off? There's opportunities in PDL and U USPS, uh, USPSL. Like a lot, a lot of like these leagues, like. It's about finding the right fit. You have that dream, and if you still, you know, want to play, then there's the grind is there. If you have the grind, it's always going to be there. It just sucks that you know we have to do so much just to get the bare minimum. Yeah. But the fact that you know you took two years off and then came back is incredible. And not only for three months, like you do, you have a hell of a three months in Indiana, and then you go to Las Vegas Lights, right? And I go back to Eric Ronaldo. You go back? Oh no, you re you connect back to with Eric Ronaldo. Yeah, he ends up getting a job for UPSL team uh -huh. in Orange County. The Wolves. The LA Wolves. LA Wolves. And he starts calling him again. Some of the guys that yeah. we've been with him since day one. Next, you know, I show up with Pablo. Next, you know, I see some other guys that we played in ATL. So he bought like a circle, Calusi and ATL. And he's like, I got this job, I'm gonna pay you guys, but we're gonna go um, NASL in a year or so, so stay with me. And that's how we ended up playing again. I'm like, going from PDL to three months to finishing the year off playing UPSL under Eric Ronaldo and expecting the whole new, new team here in, the, in, in LA back home playing professional. Why yeah. not? Like, did, did, did it feel like a clean slate, like a fresh start at that time? It did. Because yeah. I feel like, okay, we did the Open Cup the same way. We did something crazy. Now yeah. we're going to do it again yeah. with more experience and more better players. And now it's a professional environment. Yeah, We're not skipping this U, uh, U.S. Open. We're going straight to the pros again. So yeah. I feel like, okay, I'm going to start all over again. Me and Pablo were just training on our own, making sure we're working out. I used to go to his house, take him to the gym. Yeah. We were taking it serious. We were like, we're going to come back and make history. We're going to make sure that people remember our names again because yeah. we can't be forgotten in this league, especially yeah. here in SoCal. Yeah. This is our team, so yeah. that's what happened. Nah, and it did, bro, because to, to this day, you guys, when it comes to you, Pablo Cruz, German Alfaro, like Richie Menjivar, Danny Barrera, like your names are still names that are like, in the prime, yeah. bro. So, I, I love that. You know, a lot. You know, I, I that's something I can relate to falling out of love with soccer, cause and then coming back in, and that's why I believe in giving back, and I, I enjoy coaching. You know, I, I'm frustrating in the coaching world. I'm, I'm I'm frustrated with the coaching world just because I, this is a conversation about soccer in America. I've tried to have in the coaching world for the last eight years. And everyone is making money, so no one's give, no one was gonna give me the time, you know. So that's why I kind of like stay away from it. But what it did do is spark that love again for 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 me, you know. I, I played soccer. I was done with it after college, and then when I started coaching, you start seeing the joy that it brings, you know, just being on the field and just touching the ball, yeah. and it just realized that well, this this game is so simple, and if I can make a living doing it, but if I can also just do it in a way that's rewarding as far as like doing it the right way, then I feel like, you know, just like the game took care of us, it's time for us to take care of them, you know, and it's, I feel like it's, we have to keep lighting that torch because I, I aspire for, to have kids and my kids to have that experience of being on the national team and eventually playing pro, you know, that's why, yeah. well, that's why I really dream for myself and my, in my future. So the fact that, you know, you're, you're, 
you're, you you know you you were able to not just fall back in love with it but also like bro re restart your pro career because after la wolves la wolves eric ronaldo you know ends up at la lights or oh, las vegas lights and you go to las vegas lights yeah. with pablo Cruz, and like eric ronaldo has taking care like there, there's there's coaches out there that you know have extended that opportunity time after time for yeah. players like you know for those players that are not the most top recruited or the most well known but he's sticking true to the to to those players that you know deserve opportunities that deserve the the, the same opportunities these college players deserve you know yeah i mean i think with Ronaldo, he was just always pushing for us i yeah. mean he saw what we could do when we were we barely had any experience. He saw what we're getting experience. Yeah. Now that we have all the experience, he still sees it, and he's like, "I'm gonna keep bringing the same guys because I'm gonna get the same out of them." Yeah. You know, some players get so up here, and then they forget that you know they started down here. Yeah. Now they just don't want to perform. They just want the money. Yeah. You know, with us, it was just, "I'm gonna bust my ass and I'm gonna get paid after." Yeah. That's always been our, our way of thinking because yeah. if we fell in love with the money, who knows where we. Well, we yeah. probably had one year and yeah, that makes so so that loyalty is important. You know, I feel like when it comes to money, I mean, when it comes to like loyalty, I feel like you know when you when you've been through so much and you've had that open cup run and you know you played here and you now you're playing here. So like at the end of the day, it's business, it's professional, yeah. but it just gives you that that sense of family of pushing, you know, sticking together and not just like you know when you put money. I feel like I feel like one of the aspects that you know, can fuck up a team or fuck up a locker room as an ego. You know, somebody's just like kind of just there for the stats and wants to just perform yeah. for them because they want to get a bigger check. You know, so I feel like when you have uh, a sense of a family, like, you know, the, I feel like you, Pablo, Eric, when all they have, like careers can can flourish yeah. together, you know, and, and everyone can eat and everyone can be taken care of. So, like I said, like, you know, I've been a fan, you know, looking in, looking to your career, looking the career of Pablo Cruz and Eric Ronaldo, and I'm just like, that's proof. Like, that's proof that, you know, that there is talent, you know, we don't have to rely on the college system or rely on the club's youth system to, to, to you know, to elect the talent that we need to elevate the game of soccer in our country. So... How was that? How was this time? You know, playing in Las Vegas. You know, playing under him, playing with Pablo. How'd you like that experience? It was. It was good. I mean, it was a little, a little different going yeah. into the season just because I was telling everything about the whole accident. Yeah, you had an accident. You mentioned. You, you, you... I didn't. My whole left side was like beat up, bruised up, scratched up, swollen, and everybody that knows me knows I'm a lefty. Yeah, man. So for me, it's like. My left has brought me joy, money, travels, friends, friendships, everything. If I can't do anything with this, yeah. I'm done. And I was able to start walking again. And then when Alta says, can you walk? Can you run? Can you jog? Anything? Like, yeah, I'm just barely starting. So, yeah, I was supposed to sign already. And then that happened. So, he brings me into preseason. Overweight. I, I was struggling. Yeah. He says, go back home. Get yourself going again get yourself fit and i'll call you back so he finally calls me again for the open cup he's like i'm signing you now you know the open cup run is what you're known for yeah people know you because of that from the C. and then well, as soon as i started playing i fell in love with soccer again the fans yeah i get to play with a childhood friend like pablo 
I get to play for under Eric Ronaldo. I had a lot of people that I already knew. Yeah. So it was just more so like a family that I was playing with. Especially after an accident. Yeah, and for me it was just soccer. I want to play, I want to enjoy it, forget what I did. Yeah. You know, so I started getting myself back into it. And then, I mean, when I'm there, I don't know how, but he he had that, that trust and believe in me that once you're fit, you can do anything. You can do anything. You're going to show in this league. And that's how it started with me. I mean, I wasn't expecting much just because I didn't know how my body was going to react. Yeah. But luckily, I was fighting through. And then, you know, I had a, a good year with, with lights. Man. The reason why I wanted to talk to you is just not only because you're from California and, I mean, from Pasadena, you know, which is my, my hometown. But it's just like your journey, bro. You've it has, Nothing has been handed to you. Nothing has, you know, everything has been working for. And like things like your talent, I feel like even throughout this podcast, we haven't talked about how good you were, bro. How deadly you are with your left, where you can, you know, have the speed, you can ping it anywhere. And I feel like that's, 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 you know, that's the kind of player that you're not a robotic, systematic player. You play the way you want to play. If you want to dribble, you dribble. If you, you know, you take space, if you want to shoot, it's just like, that's a different sauce that you have, you know. I feel like those are the players of Pasadena produces. Yeah. That you know, we're not your typical like tell us what to do, yeah, long yeah. bars. Like we're gonna do it our own saucy way. Like you know, you're pretty big. I'm pretty big. There's Pablo that's small. We all come in different sizes. And it's like if you give us the opportunity, we're gonna execute, bro. So I know that not only is your career amazing and a success, but like the fact that you got the way you've gotten it out the mud and. The fact that, you know, like accident, injuries, you know, politics, you're still doing it to this day. You know, you're still playing with Cal FC. You're about to go to Chicago, $30,000 on the line. You know, there's talent. There's a lot to play for there. And we're like, yeah, soccer is, is a language. So, so, you know, you're fluent in soccer. So, like, that's what, you know, keeps you, has kept you close to the game. And, bro, I'm proud of you. Um, you know, there's so much more that we could have talked about and, you know, and stuff like that. But... You know, we've been going on for like almost two hours, but you know, I kind of just want to close it out and just, you know, give you your flowers, bro, and tell you that, bro, you're a fucking baller. You're, you're a Pasadena legend, bro. I'm proud. I'm proud to say you're from Pasadena. I'm proud to say that I'm interviewing you, you know, as my first interview in person, bro. So it's been a fucking pleasure, my G. And we're going to close it out, but, but I'm going to ask you just a few questions about what do you think soccer in America is going the next five years, bro? How do you feel about it? I mean, I feel like it's heading the right way. Yeah. I mean, it took a while to kind of see that the progress. Yeah. Because we saw it a little bit and then it stopped. And yeah. Started a little, but I feel like now it's more consistent thing. We're starting to realize, like, we have something in the future. And yeah. we have a mindset of how to go about it. Yeah. And I think by the next World Cup, I mean, believe it or not, I feel like quarters, semis. Yeah. But those are doable. Yeah. I don't think it's too far-fetched to think, you know, clearly... We didn't make the last one, the next World Cups next year, so we have to qualify for that. But I really think that with the group that we have now, with the Pulisic, the McKinney's, the Adams, yeah, I, I don't see, I don't think it's far-fetched to think that we're going to get to the knockout stage. Yeah. When we get through that knockout stage, bro, we keep 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 growing the MLS. Because if you look at the MLS in the last 25 years, bro, we've gone from 10 teams to fucking 27. So, like... You know, La Liga's 150 years old. Uh, no, EPL's 150, La Liga's 100. We're only 25 years, so like, 
give us, give us. I don't even want to say 10 or 15 years, bro. Give us five years. I said five. I even said by the next World Cup. By the, yeah. No, uh, their core is like in their mid-20s. Yeah. Balling. And, and I really think that, you know, it's, it, it, yeah, like ten, five years ago, I couldn't tell you how many players played in the Champions. And now we have yeah. 10, bro. So I really think it's promising. I really think that, you know, it's not, well, I'm not just saying that because I'm a soccer fan, but it's you. You've played in the league. You've seen the level and you... You know, everyone that I talk to has an optimistic, you know, has an optimistic sense of, of you know, of what soccer is going to be for the next five years. So I agree with you. I agree that, yeah, by the by next World not this World Cup, but the next World Cup 2026, when it comes here, bro, I really think that, yeah, if we're not, if we don't win it, we're definitely going to be in the top four. Yeah. I mean, you know? I just feel for our youth, I think it's crazy to say, but I feel like ODP should be um, a stepping stone. To get back into what it is, because facts, bro, and I, I, I got, I got to do my, my, my homework and my research on whatever happened ODC, ODP because I was, I remember it was okay, it was club, it was ODP pool, yeah, regional okay. pool, national pool. So like, we need something again like that, bro. And I, I really think that U.S. Soccer Federation and the MLS have to take initiative to put it into the public schools. That way, we have everyone under a district. That way, you know, we can keep, okay, like, for example, Pasadena, bro, think about it, Blair had a team, Marshall had a team, uh, John Muir had a team, mm -hmm. there's middle schools that will feed into that, and there's elementaries that will feed into that, and then, like, if whatever district is good, those kids are on the state team, and those kids are on the regional team, and it just it has to have, it has to be like a feeding system, you know, and I feel like, you know, it's not going to happen overnight, but I feel like there's people like me and you who believe, not only, yeah. but I love the fucking sport and love american soccer but we also believe that we can we can do it bro and it's like we're not too far behind from the spains and from the euros we saw in the last euro cups bro like i don't think the next world cup is going to be a winner from europe it's going to be it's going to come from from south america bro and and, and show you that the, the game is evolving the game is changing america's always going to be athletic america's always going to be fit so it's us finding a really identity a sauce and a putting a well system together, bro. And I feel after that, it's it's going to be smooth sailing for generations to come, for our kids to come, for our kids' kids to come, yeah. you know? So okay. at this point, I'm just happy me and you were, you know, able to, one, benefit from soccer, bro, because I'm not going to lie, bro. Like, I've been blessed with opportunity through education, through system, through friendship, and it's all because of soccer, but we also have capitalized it, bro. And... That's, I feel like that's that's one thing that, you know, why we benefit is we capitalize on opportunity, but first and foremost, we were given that opportunity. So our, our my job, my goal for this platform, bro, is to keep providing information so we can provide opportunity for the next generation, my G. Yes, so with that being said, though, bro, we're going to wrap it up. A lot of information was covered. Um, a lot, a lot of, a lot of memories. You know, a lot of good memories. Definitely, were documented. Again, bro, thank you. And like I said, like, bro, I, I look to, you know, keep growing our friendship in the future and just keep elevating this game of soccer together. Oh, My dog, peace out, bro. That's perfect. Damn.